himself before he comes, you know, recommend, listen to. There's, there's literally hundreds, if not thousands, of his sermons on YouTube that you can listen to. Well, today we are continuing on discipleship. And for the theme for today, here's a question I want to ask you. And that is, what is our aim or goal as disciples of Jesus? And I've given us some four choices. Is it to know the Bible, to live a successful life, to make disciples, or to become like Jesus? They're all really good answers. And I think if all of us would pick any one of those, we'd go, yeah, that's, that's it. But what does Scripture tell us is that really, as, as disciples, our first and primary thing is that we're to do. You know, it's really difficult to do a poll. How many, but how many people think it's number one? A few. <laughs> how many people would say it's number two? <laughs> oh, no. Whoops. Apparently, they moved the slide on me too quickly. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> well, there, how many would say it's number four? <laughs> there we go. It's to become like Jesus. You see, the other ones will fall into line as we you know, make our focus to become like Jesus. And that's what, that's what the invitation is that for each one of us is to come and follow him. Like Ashish taught us so well a few weeks ago that in that culture, as a rabbi would call people to them to be disciples, you were, you were going to live with them. You were going to be with them. You were learning to live the way they did. You were to basically represent them and their teachings to other people. And hopefully that rabbi is representing God, you know, and what you're doing is learning to do the same. And so for us as disciples of Jesus, we are, we are learning to be like Jesus. And just so you don't think I'm making this up, you know, let's look at a couple of scriptures. 1 John 2.6, it tells us whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So in the context of that scripture, it's if we're claiming, oh yeah, no, my, my life is in Christ. Well, the, the, the way that we know that's true is that we learn to live as Jesus did. And this is, this is so important for us. This is the point of us being disciples, is that we would learn to live like Jesus did. This is in everything, right? It's not just in, you know, it's not like, so now we got to go and get a toga because that's our image of it. Go, I got to rent the Jesus movie so I can dress like Jesus and I need to go find some, you know, I, I need to live in the Middle East because that way I'll live like Jesus did and go back and try to live like a first century person. It's, it's to live with, you know, and living like Jesus did. It's that we would have that knowledge of God, that understanding, our worldview would be shaped from a heaven's perspective. That we would learn to take on the character of Christ. And that would be our marker. I know how good my relationship with God is by how well I'm treating my family. How I'm treating the people around me. You know, am I actually following Jesus? Am I, am I, how is my communion with him? 
And I recognize, you know, the more agitated or the more, you know, irritable or, you know, whatever, pick your, pick your thing that I get, the, like, man, I got to go and spend some time with God. I'm losing his perspective on the world. I'm losing his perspective on my life. I'm losing his perspective on the things around me. You see, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, that was his, his, that is repeated. You take the Sermon on the Mount, read the rest of the Gospels, then read the rest of the New Testament, and you basically repeat it over and over and over again. Christianity actually isn't extremely complicated. It's, it's quite simple. But the, the, diff, the part that we find difficult is if we, if we put some of these other things before following Jesus. You look at his disciples. Three and a half years they spent with Jesus. You know, and, and it wasn't, he didn't open a Bible school. He didn't, you know, go come to my courses. Oh, it's true, right? He, he's like, come and be with me. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. I'm going to look at those scriptures in a minute. Come and be with me. Three and a half years. And even three and a half years after being with them, they still didn't quite know who he was. You know, like, they were only beginning to get it. They, didn't, they understood in part. But while they didn't have the full picture, he did enough in them that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were able to live out what Jesus did. You know? He equipped them. He, they walked alongside him as Jesus. He would teach them as he, as he did life with them. As he would, as he would they would go and, and you know, Jesus would be speaking to a crowd. They would be there. He would have them ministering alongside of them. And then even as apprentices, he would send them out. He sends out the 12, sends out 72, sends them out to practice and then to come back. Remember that in the scriptures? They go out and practice and they're so excited because like, oh, Jesus, you know, we healed the sick. We raised the dead. Even the demons, you know, obeyed your name. And Jesus was like, that's great, but don't be excited about that. Be excited and rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. You know? And not that those things are unimportant. They're as much, they are a part of our discipleship and our walking out things with Jesus. They're just not the goal. The goal is intimacy, relationship, connection with Christ, and that coming out and permeating out of every aspect of our lives. So as we in this community right now are going through this process in our life groups of going, hey, what is it to be a disciple? What is it to be a maker of disciples? We, all of us, especially all those of us in leadership, have got to be like, hey, how is my relationship with Jesus? Is, is he my, you know, my, these things that we're going to talk a bit about today, are they true in my own life? Another scripture, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, it says, follow my example as I f- follow the example of Christ. Now, it's Paul writing that, right? He's writing to the Corinthian church and saying to them, follow me as I follow Jesus. And that is the invitation of anyone that you go, hey, if you're going to follow someone, if you're in a life group, if you're in a team, if you're involved in being discipled, you're following that person as they are following Jesus. And so it's really important. You got to be like, is the person that I'm following, following Jesus? Because if they're not, you don't want to follow them. It's really important. Really important. 
You know, I trust and believe all our leaders are following Jesus. I'm not saying that in here. It's not, please don't hear that the wrong way. But it, it's so key because we can be following other things. You know, we can be following other things. And it's got to be about Jesus. It's about us becoming like him, developing the character of him, letting him transform our lives. If we become like Jesus, we're going to come under his authority and rule, fulfill the greatest commandment, and we'll make disciples that do the same. That is it, right? We are to come under the authority. The, the thing about being a disciple of Jesus is that we give up our life, our ways, our goals, our ambitions, and we go, oh, yeah, I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to follow you. If our goal in church is to get a whole lot of people to come and be in the seats, you can't teach this. And this may, I, I hope it doesn't, I trust it, it won't, it may uh, like challenge some people in me saying this, but God is not that interested in your goals. He's not that interested in, in what, what your, your goals were before you gave your life to him. He is not, he is very interested in will you lay everything down to follow me. We see that in scripture. I mean, there's some very challenging scriptures where he's like, people are like, oh, Jesus, I'm going to come and follow you. I just need to go back and bury my father. And he's like, mm, let the dead bury their own dead. Oh, Jesus, I just got to, you know, finish doing this and then I'll come follow you. And he's like, don't bother. Man, those are challenging. They're really challenging for us. Because there are these, these things where it's like, oh, I, it actually isn't about me. It's not about me. It's fully about him. Now, follow him doesn't mean that, you know, these were, these were the invitation for us isn't, you know, Jesus isn't standing right here. And I'm not going to you as, as a follower of Jesus and leading this church. You should all leave your jobs. You should all leave your families. You should all leave your lives. And, and, and that's it. And come in and we're just going to have church every day. Uh, that's, that's not the invitation. The invitation, though, is to say, you know, I, I love it how Paul would write, you know, on different things where he'd just be like, hey, you know, wherever you are, like if you are, if you are a slave, like do that well. If you are doing this, do that well, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it was, it was this incredible thing of going, hey, where you are right now, where you're plant, plant, planted, in your family, in your job, in your school, wherever it is, uh, you know, in your community, wherever it is you are planted right now, Follow Jesus well there. Follow Jesus well there. But don't be afraid. You know, again, we're to be a light to the world. So if you're there in your job, you're there to be a light in that job workplace. If you're in your school, you're there to be a light in a school. In your friend group, you're there to be a light. That light will be offensive to some. That light will be, you know, in some cases, people won't, won't like that. But we're not meant to put a, you know, to put that light and hide it away because some people might not like it. In actual fact, it will, while some will be repelled, some will be drawn. And that's how, as disciples, we live it out. Jesus was not afraid of other people's opinions about him. 
You know, the disciples, when the Holy Spirit came on them, they weren't afraid of the other people's opinions of them. So much of Scripture is that if I have to suffer for following Jesus and proclaiming the gospel, you know, and that's not just preachers. That was every person in those societies. Like, hey, if I have to go through difficult things, if I stand out, if I'm not accepted, I mean, with some Scriptures, if they come and take all my stuff away from me, take my house, take my belongings, my possessions, but I have followed Jesus well, it's well worth it. Unfortunately, so often the message that we get, or our mindset we get, can be, well, I don't want to lose anything if I come and follow Jesus. You know, and then there'll be people that'll teach the opposite of that. It's like, no, 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 you know, don't, don't, anyway, I won't go there. It's irrelevant. The greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. We can't fulfill that if we're not followers of Jesus first, right? Jesus teaches us what love for God is. He shows us. He shows the way. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands, and they're not burdensome. You want to talk about commands, look at the Sermon on the Mount. He, he showed us a way of life, a way of being, a way of being with one another, a way of interacting with one another, a way of being family together, a way of when people persecute us that we, you know, we bless, a way of, of loving people that are unlovable, a way of, of caring for those that you know, we might not want to care for, of not seeing people based on social status, of seeing people as God sees them, of us being willing to lay our lives down and follow regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost. That's a disciple. That's a disciple of Jesus. You know, that's the, the, the fulfilling. So he says, if you love God, you'll obey my commands. So we, you know, a loving God is like, okay, I need to take on this character of God. I've got to change. I've got to learn how to walk in love. I've got to learn how to, to, to love people. I've got to put selfish ambition out of my life and, and learn, you know, a whole new rhythm of life with Jesus. And then when we, when we do that, we're able to make disciples that do the same that are able to follow us as we follow Jesus, that are able to go, oh yeah, I see the example you're setting. I see that you're becoming more and more like Jesus every day. I see how, you know, man, look, look at the way you love people. Look at the way you are devoted to God. Look at the way that you treat people. Look at the way that, man, you, you are and how you aren't afraid to share the gospel with people. And people, I want to be like that. You know, I heard a testimony from people, and I'm sure they'll share it another time, but they were away, and they were in an environment, and it was a work environment, and everyone was doing all kinds of different stuff, just like worldly things, nothing extreme, just worldly stuff, and they weren't doing it, and they stood out. Stood out, so, and people were like, oh, there's something different about you. You know, oh, there's, there's definitely something different. What, wow, I noticed there's something different. What is that? You will stand out. You will be different. You may not be accepted by people in the world, and that's okay. That's okay. You know, because the ones that God is drawing to himself will be the ones. And I tell you, it's not okay if we're not accepted because we're offensive. But, but where it becomes okay is, you know, you learn to love well. You give, it says in Scripture, but it's not giving people any reason to accuse us. 
You know, it also says in Scripture that when, we, when it comes to living by the ways of the Spirit, you know, there's no law against that. When you live by the ways of the Spirit, when we live by the ways of Christ, people are going to find it really difficult to make an accusation. They'll find it very tough to come and make an accusation against you. One of the things learning in the course that people are doing on discipleship, it talks about, you know, this line that Jesus says when he invites, he says in Matthew 4.19, come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And if you got to week two, so in your, in your groups, this is something you focused on in week two. In the, but I know there's many people here that are not in groups and like, well, I, you know, so I want to keep you up to speed with what we're doing. And it's this incredibly important thing with Jesus, this invitation to his disciples. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. You see, his invitation, he's like, I'm going to take you from being someone that, in the message version, it, it reads like this. It says, Jesus said to them, come with me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. And that's really what it is, right? It's really what it is. He's inviting us into this relationship to this chain, saying, hey, I'm going to take you. You've been fishing for fish. I'm going to turn you in from a, fish to, from a fisherman that fishes for fish into a completely different person who now is drawing in people. Now, he was speaking to fishermen at the time. Obviously, he didn't use the same analogy when he, you know, he went and said to Matthew and, and called him out of his tax collection booth. But this, this, this picture is that he is calling us, each and every one of us, into a completely different life, different priorities, different ways. As it so says in the Old Testament, we take off our old self and we put on a new self. It's why if you try to keep living in the ways of the world, in the ways of the kingdom, Jesus says, I will simply spit you out of my mouth. That wasn't never an option. There wasn't a A, B, C. It was either follow me or don't, but this is what following me looks like, this, and, and that's it. So we actually do a disservice and we keep the church ineffective and it's why the church is so ineffective today when we teach this third option of living half in the world and half in the kingdom. You know, when we teach people that it's all about them and themselves, it, it totally undermines them following Jesus. And that's not a disciple. You know, we can talk religiously, we can read the Bible, we can, you know, do all kinds of things. And again, freak me out, this scripture, you know, I cast out demons, I healed people, I did all these things in your name, and, you know, Jesus going, get out, I never knew you. I never knew you. And this thing of us knowing and walking alongside, it, scripture describes someone that knows Jesus, and it isn't by their miracles. It's by their character. It's by their character. It's by them becoming transformed and becoming like Christ. Our gifts, whether those gifts are in music or business or raising the dead or you know, prophesying or preaching or whatever, those are not what qualifies us for the kingdom. Our making Jesus our Lord is what qualifies us. For the kingdom. 
right? Not by, hey, it's not by works. You're right, it's not by works. We don't earn our way into the kingdom, thank goodness, right? I do not, we don't earn our way in. It's not based on. So if I've given my life to Jesus and I only make a couple steps forward, you know, and then I die, well, guess what? It's not that I'm now excluded because I didn't get to level, the right level to make the bar. You know, it's this thing. But Jesus makes it really clear that if you are a follower of him, it looks like something. It looks like something. It's not just, it's not just, oh yeah, yeah, pray a prayer, say, oh yeah, Jesus is my Lord. But then having no reality in my life. That's not works. That's, you know, works aren't, aren't going, oh, you know, if, the wrong thinking about works is, oh, if you say that I have to change, that's works. No, that's the Bible says, if you are a follower of Jesus, it looks like something. That's how you know you're following Jesus is your life changes. Your life changes. It makes a radical transformation in your life. Why? Because we put our gaze on him. And grace empowers for change. It's a gospel of grace, a gospel of forgiveness, a gospel where it doesn't matter how many times I messed up, I can keep coming back to Jesus going, I'm still trying to get this. I'm trying, I, I know I haven't changed in this area. I'm, I'm coming to you because I don't know what to do. And Jesus is like, if it takes 200 times of you messing up before you change, that's okay. You're moving, you know, keep moving forward. But it is a thing of where we go, we're, we're meant to become more and more like Jesus. We go from being those fishermen for fish, fishers of men, if we were fishermen before. We go to being a people who are like, Jesus, you are my Lord. My priorities are changed. You're, you know, you are my priority. When Lee and I got married, told the story a few times in the last little bit. I don't think I've, I've told it in a, in a preach. When we got married, you know, my worldview at the time when the two of us started dating was Meadowvale. I'd grown up in Meadowvale. I'd always generally worked in Meadowvale. I was involved in a ministry in Meadowvale. And so I met Lee, who'd come from South Africa, and she's like, well, you know, where do you, what, what do you see? Like, where do you want to go? Or, you know, what, do, you, would, do you see yourself leaving? And honestly, at the time, my worldview wasn't much bigger than Meadowvale. Honestly, growing up, I never even really came into Streetsville, except to go bowling. Like, my worldview was Meadowvale. That was it, you know? And, you know, that was, it wasn't that I never had left it, but I hadn't traveled much. I hadn't done that. It was just, this was, this was my worldview. And so when we were dating, Lee's like, well, that's not going to work. You know, like, you know, and like, see, she's like, you know, God's brought me here. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, I, I, you know, she loves like talk to Lee about a plane. And she's just like excited and just wants to get on a plane. She loves traveling. She thought she would come here for a year and then God would send her somewhere else. And so I had to take that and let God change me and, and go, you know, yeah, I definitely, while I haven't seen a picture outside of here, if God wants me to leave, I'll definitely leave. I had to be open to that change, you know, and, and it was amazing how God opened up my worldview. I never, when we started LifeHouse, I never could have imagined the incredible community that it is now. I never could have imagined this multicultural, multinational community. There's absolutely no way. No way. Nowhere in my worldview. 
Nowhere in my worldview at all. And yet God brought about that change and led us into that, that change. I mean, now there's been times in the history of the church, nothing recent, don't worry, but there's been times in the history where I'd be like, okay, I think it's just time for us to go somewhere else, Lee. I think we should go to this country or that country. He's like, no, God's called us here. So the funny thing is, is that God had to expand, you know, like take me to a place of going, I'm willing to go and take Lee to a place of I'm willing to stay. You know, and that's the exchange, the change. But it's like, because it wasn't about my plan or my, you know, my worldview is Meadowvale. And God's like, hey, I'm going to expand that. I'm going to change. And I'd be willing to. And Lee had to be, God, if you tell me to stay, I'm willing to stay. There was a time in Lee's history where, as a lawyer, or studying law, she didn't want to study it anymore. She's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to finish this. I just, I'm called to missions. I'm called to these places. I'm called to do this. I want to do this. I'm called to the church. I, I don't, this is a waste of my time. And the elders in her, she went to some of the elders in her church at the time, and she was praying about it as well. And God was just really clear and just going, no, you got to finish this. Spoke it to her, spoke it to them. And I think, did they speak it to you as well or them first and then you? I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's Lee's story, not mine. Sorry, dear. <laughs> I'll let her tell it. She'll tell it a lot better than me, you know? But it, regardless of how it was, that she had to be like, okay, you know what? I, I, my plans would be I'm going to abandon this right now and go and, and stop. But God is like, no, I need you to finish it. And so she did. If she hadn't have finished that law degree, she never would have gotten to Canada. She could not have gotten in at the time when it came to coming to Canada if she hadn't had finished her degree. She barely ever used her law degree. Like, you practice law for what? 15 months she practiced law in, in South Africa. But God understood. He, God had his big picture in mind of her getting to Canada which she had no clue about at that time and never on her radar at all. When God told her to come to Canada, she's like, what? What? She can tell the story another time. <laughs> but there's this thing, right? Not about our plans. Now, fortunately, our family was such as, it wasn't like, well, we've invested all this money in you in a law degree and done all this kind of stuff. What, you know, you've got to, they never even told her she had to stay because they had a worldview of God that was like, our daughter belongs to us, or to you, Lord. You know? And so, despite everything that was put into that, God used that to prepare and shape her, and everything that God shaped her in, in that she's been able to use for the kingdom. But that process was essential for her to live in the things that God has. That's discipleship. Not my plans, but yours. And it's why it's so important that, you know, wherever we are, we learn to submit to and follow Jesus and not come af under these things of the world. Not, be, not while it's like, well, I got to compromise and be like the world while I'm in this job. No, no, if you're going to compromise and be like the world there or, you know, or in your school or in whatever, then you're always going to compromise and be like the world. And it's just wonderful. There's so many awesome testimonies that I hear from people. You know, I had a great time a few weeks ago, shared a, one of them at least, of Mark and Tusha talking about, you know, they live this out in their workplace. And it's a wonderful thing, you know, talking to others as well, live this type of stuff out in their workplace where it's like, no, we're going to make it about Jesus. And it has an effect. It's, it's amazing.
I've rabbit trailed. So let me come back, especially since it's 12 o'clock. Disciples of Jesus, they know and follow Jesus. They're being changed by Jesus, and, they're being, and they are committed to the mission of Jesus. We know and follow Jesus. We're being changed by Jesus, and we're committed to the mission of Jesus. That's discipleship. Jesus' mission was very simple. You know, it's to advance the kingdom of God. How does that happen? He told us we go out and make disciples. We make disciples of him. People that are also know and follow Jesus are being changed by Jesus and are committed to the mission of Jesus. It's no more complicated than that, actually. It's no more complicated than that. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read this scripture. 2 Peter 1, verse 2 to 11. I want to encourage you that this be a scripture you go over and over this year. As an eldership, we felt this was a, a foundational scripture for Lifehouse for 2020. And it talks about the fact of us knowing Jesus. It talks about the fact of us developing the character of Jesus. It talks about everything we're talking about right here. Wonderful, wonderful scripture. The last thing. And this will be, the majority of this will be a preach for another day. We can't be like Jesus if we're not finding rest for our soul. We can't develop his character if we're not taking the time to pause and be with him. Our, our world is the world's way of doing things at the moment is based on how much can I squeeze into a minute? How productive can I be? How do I maximize my time? How, do I, how am I the most productive there is? And it's funny, you know, I've read different biographies about people and say, like, they got up at four in the morning and prayed. The part of the thing that we forget or we don't take into context is they didn't have light bulbs and they went to bed at seven o'clock. And so getting up at four in the morning was nine hours later. Seriously. You know, sometimes we can quote things out of context without understanding the historical period that that thing was in and go, oh, it sounds a minute. Oh my goodness. Like, so they went to bed at midnight. They got up at four. They slept on four hours sleep. No, they got nine. Do you know, it's a very interesting thing was reading recently that it was with the advent of the light bulb, before the light bulb, the average North American, it was American statistics, so American, slept 11 hours. 11 hours. Hardworking people. Hardworking people. They slept 11 hours. We've got to be... A, a wonderful story. There's this guy who went, I don't know who the guy is. Just this guy. <laughs> he went to the jungle. I don't know which jungle, just some jungle. I'm sure there's more details, I just don't remember them. So this guy went to this jungle, and he hired some people, local people, and he was like on this mission to go, and I don't even know what his mission was, but he was on a pretty important mission. And he was in a rush on that mission. So this guy in the jungle hired these people for this mission that he had a real rush about. And he... Uh, he hired the local people, 
And he's like, well, we've got to go. We've got to rush. And so they just pushed it, and they pushed it and pushed it for a couple of days. And then on, you know, after those couple of days, he's getting up. He's like, hey, we've got to go. We've got to go. And they wouldn't move. They're like, there's no way. He's like, what's wrong with you? And they're like, we have to rest and let our souls catch up with us. And this understanding, you know, our world, the enemy knows how to design the world around us in a way to keep us from being able to actually delight in God and find rest from our souls. You know, and it's so important. It's something we're really trying to work out as a church that, that, and you know, been making some different adjustments because we don't want you busy and hurried. I'm not even, I don't even want you to be productive. I want you to be an amazing disciple of Jesus. And we can get, you know, all caught up in all kinds of different things. How many of you, like, or, you know, grown up either in another country or in this country where Sundays nothing opened? Like, you know, do you let me remember that? We got a few, you know? So, so growing up here until I was 18, about 18, I don't actually remember 17, 18, 19, around there, nothing opened on a Sunday. Like, you could not go shopping, it was illegal. It was, you know, back in those days, and it's a long time ago, we won't overly date myself, but it was like a $25,000 fine to open up your store, which is a lot of money back then. And man, I can't remember all the details of, of that, of life then, but it's something, you know, I do remember that on a Sunday you hung out with family, you hung out with friends. You know, you did, we did church. We grew up Catholic, so we'd do, go to church. And then you, would, then you would just be. And, you know, in the name of... It's amazing how the enemy works. So now, you know, in the name of whatever, and it's primarily greed that drives it, and productive, in the name of productivity or all these other different things, we got the seven-day-a-week, 24-hour society where no one can rest. No one can find rest for their souls. And there's this thing in Scripture of the Sabbath. And it's not about us being legalistic. And sometimes I hear people that, that talk about it, and it's a very unfortunate Old Testament legalistic view. But we need to remember what Jesus said. That the Sabbath... Man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. Man were not, so we weren't made to serve the Sabbath in the legalistic way that they were and that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were challenging Jesus. Like, oh, you healed someone and it's the Sabbath. You know, oh, you, you know in, in some communities, if you, Orthodox Jewish communities now where you know, their, their apartment buildings have elevators that stop at every floor on a Saturday because they're not allowed to push the button. Like, that's, you know, missing the point entirely. But the Sabbath was made for us. This concept of us having, you know, of us resting. Now, whether you do that on Saturday, so the day itself isn't the issue here. The thing is that you find a day to just rest. Resting doesn't mean I'm in bed all day, 
doesn't mean I'm just sitting on the couch, parked off. Maybe you're doing some chores at home. Maybe you are things. But doing stuff that delights your soul. That allows your soul to catch up with you. Allows you to be connected as a family. To be connected with friends. And to just delight and rejoice in the things of God. That's such an important thing. And so, as we learn to follow Jesus and be amazing disciples of Jesus, we've got to remember that as a disciple, Jesus told us these words, which are, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May we, as disciples, follow Jesus well. May we you know, be changed by Jesus. May we know Jesus and we be on mission with Jesus. But even Jesus on his mission, you know, he still had his Sabbath. He and his disciples still did that. And so in the urgency, in the craziness of this modern world that we live in, in our digital craziness, may we, as disciples of Jesus, follow him well and remember that his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and find rest for our souls. Amen? Amen. Awesome. As always, ministry team will be over at the side to pray for anyone that needs prayer this morning. Coffee and cookies, snacks to the back. If you're coming to Welcome Lunch, be at Faulkner Drive for 1 o'clock. We'll be starting then. Have an amazing week.